Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TTK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and this is episode 91 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Today I'm breaking down part one of my top 24 running back rankings with my running backs 13 through 24 and giving player profiles for each as of June 14th, 2019. I'll be evaluating updating regularly throughout the offseason and we'll have a final set of rankings come August and lead to draft season. Next episode will be running backs 1 to 12. Stay tuned for that. And we've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. Super stoked for this episode. I am breaking down my 24 to 13 RBs. Next episode will be 12 to 1. Before we get into it, I want to give a shout out to my man, Willie Ty of MMB Fantasy Football. On the previous podcast, he and I broke down our top 24 back and forth. We had a great episode there. Make sure you tune in and follow MMB Fantasy Football on YouTube and Instagram. Last week, we had Justin from Fantasy Fucking Football. Check them out on Instagram and YouTube as well. Uh, Big ups to them. We were talking about quarterbacks last week. Next week, we're going international all the way to Manchester, England to meet up with my man Josh of Fantasy Footballer UK. You can check him out as well on IG. Great content there. And then coming up to wrap up our individual uh, weekly breakdowns for the tight ends, we're going to be linking up with somebody coming in from Draft Room pod and he has a great podcast as well and a uh, Instagram page like the rest of us so check those guys out please give some give some likes and loves and tell them I sent you to, to uh, you know extend the appreciation but great content so far the last two weeks really looking forward to receivers and tight ends coming up but today we're talking running backs we're talking 24 to 13 we'll go in reverse order so starting off at number 24 for me is Kenyon Drake Kenyon Drake was severely underused last year under then-head coach Adam Gase. Thankfully for Drake, Gase is now in New York. I'm not sure that's good for Le'Veon Bell, but nonetheless, Adam Gase is now with the Jets. Along with being put in the doghouse by Gase, Drake also competed with Frank Gore and rookie Kalen Balazs. Gore is now in Buffalo, and Balazs didn't really take advantage of his opportunities the way that I thought he would. I'm a big fan of Kalen Balazs, actually. I believe Drake is the most talented back in Miami, by a bunch, actually. And with new head coach Brian Flores coming in from New England with a defensive mindset, I think that bodes well for Drake. Miami's offense is most likely going to be rough this year in general with little weapons and the combo of Fitzmagic and Josh Rosen at quarterback, but the Dolphins' offensive line quietly ranked 14th overall, 12th in second level rank, 5-10 to yard runs, 8th in open field rank, so 10-plus yard runs, and furthermore, they ranked 31st in pass protection and were tied for 29th in sacks allowed with Arizona and Oakland with a sack rate of 10.5%. So that definitely bodes well for the run game. The Dolphins are going to have to run the ball to be competitive, and I think they do that behind Drake. Drake had a 4.5 yards per carry in just 120 rush attempts last year. He also added 53 receptions on 73 targets for 477 receiving yards. Frank Gore as I mentioned, is now in Buffalo, and he opens up 156 rush attempts from last year. If Drake gets 80 of those, so if he gets basically half of those touches as the lead back, he'll probably get more, then he'll be around 200 carries. With 200 carries, Drake is looking at closer 
to 900 to 1,000 rush yards. And if he stays around 500 receiving yards as he did in 2018, he's flirting with about 1,200 to 1,500 total yards as one of the most explosive runners in the league at 4.4 speed on the 40. So I really, really like those metrics and opportunity and potential for Kenyon Drake. I'm not excited about the Dolphins, you know, as a team either. Uh, and I bashed Drake all last season, but that was mostly because of Adam Gase. And that was because of the competition with Frank Gore and Kalen Balazs. But he seems to be a diamond in the rough in drafts this year with tremendous upside I only have him 24 with the uncertainty of the new Miami coaching staff, but most of them are from New England with a defensive mindset and, of course, a powerful running game over the years. So I think that's going to tend to the run game and benefit Drake overall. I like the restart for Drake this year in Miami with the new coaching staff and Frank Gore gone. And honestly, come August, I could see myself uh, boosting Drake higher than number 24. But right now, he sits as my running back 24. Next up. Running back number 23, David Montgomery, rookie with the Chicago Bears. Montgomery was drafted by the Bears in the third round. He caught 58 passes over his last two seasons at Iowa State. This dual threat ability is more attractive for head coach Matt Nagy, who never really got what he needed out of Jordan Howard last year. Howard is now in Philadelphia, which obviously helps Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery. The Bears did bring in Mike Davis from Seattle and still have Tariq Cohen, as I mentioned, of course. But Davis is a third stringer, I think, and a change of pace guy. And Cohen has his role as the James White of the Bears. Montgomery should slide in as the first, second down back, at least with the ability to catch some passes and get the goal line carries on, on uh, you know inside the red zone. I don't see Mike Davis. I mean, he might start the season because you know Montgomery is a rookie. Overall, though, as, as the fantasy season shakes out, I think Montgomery eventually gets that opportunity a couple weeks in. And once he gets it, I think he's going to really run away with the job, to be honest. The Bears ran the sixth most run plays in 2018, and Howard had the sixth most carries with 250 carries. So if you get, you know, let's give Montgomery 250 carries. I mean, he's going to explode with his abilities, but let's give him even 200. I think he outpaces uh, Jordan Howard overall. Chicago also ran 55.2% of their runs out of the shotgun, which is primarily what Montgomery featured in college. So that's a big difference there. Uh, as opposed to Jordan Howard, who's more of a downhill runner uh, from under center. So that's that's a big plus there for Montgomery. If Montgomery is the lead back with 200 plus 20, you know, 220 plus carries and even just you know five targets, he should be an RB two for sure uh, in a productive Chicago offense. Howard finished 26th overall and 40th in fantasy points per game. Montgomery should exceed those numbers quite a bit, I think. Running back 23 ranking may be a bit low actually for Montgomery, but I've always been hesitant to rank rookies. So we'll just have to see what happens as the offseason unfolds. But we should see him, you know, succeed in this offense. And we've seen multiple rookie running backs over the last five years really be successful if they get that opportunity in a potent offense, you know. So I think that Montgomery could be could be a star, honestly. And and uh, I actually I'm, I'm getting into Jacobs in just a second. I have him ranked a little bit higher. But as a dual threat with a more potent offense in general, I think Montgomery could finish maybe higher than Jacobs, but Montgomery has more competition than Jacobs, which I'll get to in just a second. So at running back number 23, I have David Montgomery. Next up, as I mentioned, is Josh Jacobs, running back number 22 for me, rookie out of Alabama. 
Josh Jacobs was picked as the first running back off the board at number 24 overall in this year's draft by the Raiders. Jacobs was drafted to start as the backup to Isaiah Crowell when the season started, but unfortunately, Isaiah Crowell tore his Achilles in the offseason, and he is out for the season, and now Jacobs has fallen into a starting role by default. That's great news for Jacobs, but what does it mean for fantasy? Jacobs didn't test at the Combine, but he did do drills at Alabama's Pro Day, running a 4.6340 initially, but he improved that to 4.52 later on. So definitely quality speed, not blazing speed, but for a bigger back, definitely quality speed at a 4.540 there. He's a decent pass catcher and a fierce runner inside and already pro-ready as a pass blocker. So that will keep him on the field for first and second downs as a workhorse for sure, and the occasional third down as well. But he will be spelled more often than not by Jalen Richard, who led the team backfield with 81 targets last year. And DeAndre Washington is still around, but I'm not really worried about him. Doug Martin and Chris Warren are also on the roster, but one of those, if not both, will be cut, and neither really pose a serious threat as of now to Jacobs. Jacobs ran for first downs or a touchdown on a nation-best 41% of his carries last year at Alabama, splitting time with fellow NFL rookie Damian Harris, who is now in New England. The Raiders have revamped their offense, bringing in A.B. from Pittsburgh and Tyrell Williams from the Chargers and Trent Brown, left guard from New England, as well as drafting Hunter Renfro from Clemson at receiver. So all these additions should only help the Raiders offensively. And if Derek Carr continues to be efficient on his deep ball throws, he was actually fourth in the league last year at a 44.1 completion percentage, then secondaries will have to pull off a bit to respect A.B. and Tyrell's speed. This should loosen up the line of scrimmage, allowing Jacobs to get to the second level for you know five to ten yards at least, an area that the Raiders' offensive line actually exceeded in last year, ranking eighth in the league. Most of that came from Marshawn Lynch, uh, beast moding before he went out for the season, unfortunately, but Jacobs is kind of a young Marshawn Lynch comp. I think, uh, runs angry, has something to prove, same body type. I think he can really get it done similar to Marshawn Lynch. It comes from a pro style offense in Alabama, which helps running backs right away. Derek Henry, Mark Ingram, so on. I'm excited to see what the Raiders can do with this new offense, and I'm rooting for Jacobs, both in fantasy and also just on a personal life. He's got an incredible life story. You should definitely look into that. Um, but my only concerns here with the Raiders are that they only ran 387 times last year, which was 23rd in the league, and the additions of all the receivers could again limit the ground game. Um, of course, A.B. is going to need his targets for sure. Um, that said, I see Jacobs making the most of his opportunities and landing inside the top 24 at year's end. I've got him at RB 22 right now, but that could rise as the offseason comes along. And if he's picking up third down work as well, something that Mike Mayock, uh, GM Mike Mayock uh, alluded to already comes to fruition. I think that, you know, if he's able to stay healthy and this, this Raiders offense picks up, he could finish inside the top 20. I'm not going to get too crazy yet, just just to see what, what happens there in Oakland. But right now, I've got Josh Jacobs as running back number 22. Next up, at number 21, Philip Lindsay, who missed a game last year, uh, tore up his wrist, unfortunately, against the Raiders in championship week, uh, missed week 17. He finished as the overall uh 
running back 12 and 13 in points per game. Right now he's got an ECR of 20, ADP of running back 21, and uh, ADP of fourth round, third pick. Uh, let me flip back really quick because I realized I had skipped over it on accident. Dialing back to Kenyon Drake really quick. Kenyon Drake finished 14 and 21 in point per game. Uh, he is the ECR 22. I've got him at 24. The ADP 26 running back and a fifth round pick right now. Let's get back to Philip Lindsay. He is my 21st running back. And Philip Lindsay really took the league by storm last year, rushing for four point or excuse me, 5.4 yards per carry, catching 75% of his targets and scoring 10 touchdowns, rushing for over 1,000 yards as a rookie, making the Pro Bowl. After not being drafted, he was picked as a UDA, UDFA, which is an undrafted free agent by the Denver Broncos, then later named the starter over third-round pick Royce Freeman. Lindsey ran a 4.440 at Colorado and stayed home to join the Broncos he was ninth in the league and third in the AFC in rushing yards with 1,037. Lindsey was also very efficient in his red zone scoring, scoring five touchdowns on six carries inside the five-yard line. So that was very surprising to me to see how that unfolded. Obviously, Royce Freeman's a much bigger back. I thought he was going to kind of be that goal line red zone guy, early down back. That he was, that's what he was drafted to be. That's what he had been for his career at Oregon. But... Not so much. Uh, Philip Lindsay was very efficient, scoring five out of six carries inside the five-yard line. That is something incredible for him and fantasy owners if they're going to keep him in that role. He's also a dual threat through the air, of course, as well. He finished inside the top 15 running backs in fantasy last year, but my concerns are, and, and the reason for the lower rank really comes from three factors. One, he hasn't quite fully recovered from his wrist injury that he suffered in week 16 of last year. It was said that he could miss the preseason. He was set to maybe miss OTAs. Looks like he might come back for OTAs. Just keep monitoring that and see what happens. But it's really early for, for you know, this time of year and those practices. Him missing another couple of weeks uh, right now would, would definitely benefit them later on. They don't want to rush him back too early and uh, risk a setback in the preseason. So I expect Lindsay to be out a little bit further. And even if he comes back to have kind of a light workload, just to more learn the pay plays and run through things uh, as opposed to really get into heavy drills. <clears throat> the good news is here, this is an upper body injury, not a lower body injury. So he can still literally run through the plays and run through things in the off season. Um, he just might, you know, not be catching the ball as much or putting the ball in that hand when he runs to uh, kind of guard his wrist, but he can go through the motions, which should bode well for him coming into uh, uh, preseason. Number two, he will be playing behind potentially a low octane offense, but the Broncos offensive line did finish sixth overall. So they did finish sixth overall, seventh in power ranking, fifth and sec second level runs, as I mentioned earlier, um, five to 10 yard runs, and 10th in open field rank, 10 plus yard runs. All good signs for another fruitful season for Denver running backs. But with Joe Flacco uh, coming in, I just don't, I know he's got the deep throw, you know, the deep field ability, but he's got a lot of. <laughs> A lot of uh, checkdowns. I just don't think he's going to stay healthy. He's getting older. I don't think he's that good of a quarterback anyway. Um, I think they give Drew Locke the keys, you know, earlier than not, and that 
can either be great if they turn him loose, but it, it also might just be check down central for him to get to get wet in the league. And if that's the case, then um, you know that could be great for for both running backs, uh, Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. I'm actually really stoked on Royce Freeman this year as well. Um, but that is my third point here. They have multiple running backs in Denver. One of them's hurt. And Royce Freeman was kind of banged up at the end of last year as well, but he looks in better shape right now. So my third factor for Lindsay's lower rank is Royce Freeman, who is ready to prove that he belongs as the starter. He was drafted to be in the third round, as I mentioned. If Lindsay suffers any setbacks with his wrist, Freeman will be pouncing on the opportunity to regain control of the Denver backfield, which I expect to happen, honestly. I see this as a running back by committee situation here either way, but as we saw last year, uh, Lindsay does offer more in the passing game when healthy. So I'm tempering expectations, though, for the reasons I mentioned above and uh, the fact that Lindsay only saw 15-plus carries in four games last year, Freeman saw you know 62 fewer carries than Lindsay so Freeman had a similar workload Lindsay was just far more efficient and had the passing ability as well so I've got Lindsay ranked higher than Freeman but I think Freeman actually uh you know equals Lindsay's output this year might even exceed him to be honest depending on Lindsay's health I could see Lindsay finishing top 15 for sure or I could see him finishing completely out of the top 24 altogether. Let's not forget, he wasn't drafted. He's a great player. He obviously turned up last year, so I don't want to take anything away from him, but he wasn't drafted for a reason, and I think that you know we need to keep an eye on that. So we see quite often at running back, especially we see guys pop on the scene, get a good situation, have a couple great games and big runs and pop, and then they get the opportunity the next year, and they're just not that type of back. So honestly, I see what happening uh, in Denver is that Royce Freeman starts as the starter again, and they kind of have a running back by committee, split the guys up, maybe more of a Sony Michelle, James White vibe, where both can do both, but I think Royce Freeman will be the primary runner. Lindsey will be maybe a primary pass catcher with uh, some running as well there. So um, not as divided as, as Michelle and White, but certainly um, more split up than they were last year. I wouldn't be surprised either way if Lindsey finished top 15 or out of the top 24 altogether. So I have him right in the middle at running back 21. Speaking of Sony Michelle, he is my 20th running back right now. He finished 16 overall, 22nd in fantasy points per game. He is ECR 18, ADP running back 20, and the first pick in the fourth round ADP right now. He's at, um, uh, excuse me, I just... I apologize. I misread. I just gave you all of Derrick Henry's stats. Let me let me re uh, let me start over there. Sonny Michelle is my twentieth running back. Lindsay is twenty first. Sonny Michelle is twentieth. I apologize. Sonny Michelle missed three games. He finished thirty fifth overall. Thirty fifth overall. My apologies. He was hurt a bit. Missed three games. He would have been roughly RB seventeen in fantasy points per game if he played those sixteen games. So you know inside the inside the top twenty there. He is ECR number 21, ADP running back 23, and the seventh pick in the fourth round. So I apologize. I'll get to Derrick Henry in just a second. Dating back to, or getting back to, I should say, uh, Sonny Michelle. Sonny Michelle beasted in the playoffs for the Patriots, as we all saw, hauling 71 carries, 336 yards, six touchdowns in just three games. So 71 for 336 and six touchdowns in just three games. But in that time, he had one reception for nine yards. That's my concern. That's why I don't have him higher. 
These are Henry-esque numbers, honestly, but the Patriots drafted third-round running back Damian Harris out of Alabama, who I mentioned earlier when I was going over Josh Jacobs, and Harris and Michelle are almost identical in size. Michelle's 5'11", 215, Harris is 5'10", 216, Harris runs a a 4'5", 40. But Harris is Arguably adds more in the passing game, of course, with Michelle only getting seven. Yes, seven receptions in 2018. I don't expect Harris to be the pass catching back in New England because, of course, they have James White, who is the boss. Uh, but he he does offer more, and we could potentially see a running back by committee here as well with Harris and Michelle splitting time. So Michelle is not higher for me because I'm I'm uh, you know nervous about. Harris coming in, and Michelle also has his knee injuries that we saw last year and in college. Michelle had at least 20 carries or 100 yards four times, though, in 13 games last year, which is pretty solid for running back. And let's not forget, James White finished running back eighth last year. He was the eighth running back in in PPR at James White, who will be catching most of the balls out of the backfield, as I mentioned. Rex Burkhead could be cut, honestly because the Patriots kept uh, Brandon Bolden, who's another running back, who's not you know, featured fantasy-wise, but he's a great special teams player, and Bill Belichick loves his special teams guys. So as the fourth running back on the roster, I think Brandon Bolden gets that slot, and they might cut Rex Burkhead. Sonny Michelle is awesome, uh, as we know, um, as he averaged 18 carries per game, running 1,183 yards and 12 touchdowns from week four through the playoffs. So week four on through the playoffs, he averaged 18 carries per game, running for 1,183 yards and 12 touchdowns. He ranked first in base front carry rate, so basically runs with seven defenders in the box. So he ranked first with a heavy, uh, heavy, you know, um, linebacker core uh, bringing up in, in the box here. So that's very productive with, with Tom Brady obviously able to read and make checks and all those other things when it makes the most sense. And he was second in under center carry rate, meaning he doesn't take many carries when Tom Brady is in the shotgun. That's what James White does. But as I just mentioned, beneficial for David Montgomery taking snaps from the shotgun position. James White, or I'm sorry, uh, Sonny Michelle is the opposite. So he's actually taking more second most under center carries uh, in the league last year. So that's first, second down roll. James White, third down roll. I think Damian Harris could come up and spell some of those as well. Michelle had 43 red zone touches, which was eighth in the league in running backs last year, which is great, but just 10.7 fantasy points per game. So he had 43 red zone touches, eighth in the league, but couldn't convert as many as he should have there, resulting in just 10.7 fantasy points per game. With so many mouths to feed in New England and a new kid on the block and Damian Harris, I'm hesitant to expect Michelle to outpace his production from last year, even over a full 16 games. That said, Sonny Michelle is going to be a solid running back two for sure, and my running back 20. If he gets more work and he's healthy, he could be above the 20, absolutely. But if Damian Harris comes in, James White remains James White, or if Sonny Michelle gets hurt, of course, he could he could bump out of that uh, top 24 of my RB2s. So I've got him at 20. I feel confident about it. And I'm above the consensus, but not by much. Next up is Derrick Henry. Sorry, I jumped the gun just a second ago. Number 19, 
Derrick Henry, who finished 16 overall, 22 in fantasy points per game, 18 ECR right now, running back 18 for ECR. ADP has him at running back 20 as the first pick of the fourth round. Quick side note, if you're following along, I mentioned it last episode, if you're following along to the Fantasy Football Throne League, which I highly recommend you follow on Instagram, which are all the biggest fantasy football accounts on Instagram, are in a power league. The top 12 accounts are in a big league battling it out. They're doing something really cool where it's less about those guys drafting against to play each other. They're actually having their listeners take polls and vote on their IG stories and vote on their polls um, on their websites and, and, and blogs and whatever to actually pick the roster for the guys. So, so the guys that run the accounts ask their fan base to pick the squad and they, uh, they go ahead and follow that. I bring all this up because it was very interesting. The fantasy football counselor had the number one overall pick and he picked David Johnson over one first overall. Okay, so over Zeke, McCaffrey, Kamara, Saquon, everybody else. He picked David Johnson, number one, and his fans picked David Johnson overall, number one. So on coming back, he had the last pick of the second round, of course, and the first pick of the third round, and he picked, or his people, I should say, picked Derrick Henry. Okay, so of course, a lot of the running backs went, so maybe he was the best available. But nonetheless, he picked him last pick of the second round. Right now, Derrick Henry has an ADP of the first pick in the fourth round. So reached a couple rounds for Derrick Henry potentially, and then he followed that up with David Montgomery in the fourth round, um, or excuse me, in the third round, first pick of the third round. So he reached around potentially for David Montgomery, but he went three running backs in a row to start his draft, and they are in a PPR league with three receiver positions on the roster. So he's going to have to start knocking out the receivers the next handful of rounds. But I thought that was really interesting that they went Derrick Henry in the second round, Montgomery in the third round, and both of those jumped in the ADP and picked um, David Johnson as the first overall pick. So honestly, reached on all three of those and uh, severely you know, picked them higher than ADP and ECR. So teach their own. We'll see what happens. I'm not hating at all. I'm just kind of stating what, what is going on, but it's been interesting to see that league unfold. Again, very, very nice follow. Go follow the Fantasy Football Throne League on Instagram. Um, it's amazing. All the, And follow all the guys in that league too because they're the top of the food chain as far as the fantasy football community goes. All right, heading back to Derrick Henry. Henry is a boom-bust option. And is you know in a questionable offense with two subpar quarterbacks in my opinion. They bring in Ryan Tannehill. They have Marcus Mariota. I don't know what to expect from either one of those guys. I think they're both kind of the same quarterback at this point. The offense in general, we'll see what happens. Of course, Matt Lafleur, who who was running things last year, he heads over to Green Bay. Their tight end coach now takes over in Tennessee. He's a first-time play caller. Mike Vrabel's a defensive guy who's the head coach. So this offense honestly kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies in general. I don't want anything to do with the quarterbacks. I don't want anything to do with the wide receivers. Delaney Walker, I just don't trust at this point of his career. I don't want him. If anybody in this offense, it would be Henry. But honestly, I'm probably not going to be picking Henry. I've got him ranked at 19, and I think almost that might be a little too high, to be honest. Um I just don't see myself picking Derrick Henry in any league outside of a standard league in general. This ranking is less about Henry himself and more about the questionable quarterbacks, the overall offense, the game script nature of Henry as a player. We saw how that limited Marshawn Lynch over the last handful of years. Very effective on the ground, but not in the passing game. And the fact that Deion Lewis is still around 
and a far better pass catcher than Derrick Henry, which is going to be a factor once Tennessee falls behind in games, which I think they will. They have a much improved defense, but again, I just don't see them scoring a ton of points very often. So game script wise, they could fall behind, which I think will hurt Derrick Henry right away. Because they don't have a reliable uh, quarterback, I mean, tandem, really. They have two average quarterbacks, I think, right now. Um, I don't see them getting out in front consistently, and therefore I, I worry about Derrick Henry losing opportunities once the Titans are losing. Now, they have a defense who is, you know, 21st in the league and an offense who's 17th in the league on the rise, which is a plus. But let's not think that Henry's end of 2018 will be his 2019 average. We all saw the end of the season when he was absolutely <laughs> an otherworldly monster to end the season last year, racking up 109 touches, 585 yards, seven touchdowns in four weeks, weeks 14 through 17, 109, 585, and seven touchdowns over that span. Before that, though, which is the most important, before that, he hadn't eclipsed 20 touches, 20 touches, not just carries, 20 touches, 65 total yards, or two touchdowns in any single game, weeks 1 through 13. I'm going to say that again because this is why I don't have him in the, say, the top 15, um, or the top 18 with the uh, the ECR, and just inside my top 20, and I could potentially move him down by the time August comes, before his beastly week 14 to 17 he had not eclipsed 20 touches 65 total yards 65 total yards or two touchdowns in a single game weeks 1 through 13 yikes i'm hopeful and even excited about the potential for sure cuz we saw what he could do and i'm you know he's one of the biggest backs in the league i loved him coming out of college i thought he was going to do a lot more with demarco murray a couple years i thought he was going to do more last year before he exploded but i need to see it to believe it there's many other options in the fourth round for me aside from Henry, so I just don't see myself picking him. He's my RB19, which is right in the middle of his ECR and his ADP, which seems fair. But again, by the time August comes when I reevaluate and see how everything shakes out, I could easily see myself dropping Derrick Henry outside of the top. Let's see, I have him 19. I could see myself dropping him in the top 20 for sure and maybe you know down closer to the bottom of my my uh, RB2s. Before we get into the rest of the episode and the picks 18 through 13, let's take a quick break. And if you like what you're hearing right now and you want to find us outside of the podcast, please give us a like and a follow on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCKpod, Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find us on Facebook at the Candlestick Kids fantasy podcast page you can drop us an email at tckpod at gmail.com and of course please leave a rate and review right here on the podcast whether you're listening to it on spotify apple podcast stitcher anchor wherever you're listening to it please drop a rate and review we much much appreciate your feedback and it helps us out with the algorithms and everything to to help the the podcast and the channels in general build I put a lot of time and energy into this. Daniel and Curly, who are also co-hosts, who will be back once the uh, summer wraps up and they they finish up uh, life things and school and work and things, they'll be back on the podcast. The three of us put a lot of time and energy into this. I personally respond to all the DMs and all the messages, all the emails and things. So please help us out. If you like the content, I really, really, really appreciate it. Um, Send us a, a message. You know, give us a like and a follow on all of those channels. Tell your friends and your family. We much, much appreciate it. Thank you so much for the support. 
Before we get into the next six running backs, here's a quick word from our sponsors, Anchor. Stay tuned. Hey, TCK Potters, I want to give a shout out to Anchor, which is the podcast avenue we record with to bring you these episodes. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. Like, how do I record a podcast? How do I record an episode? How do I get the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast onto all of the apps that people are listening to? And how can I reach as many people as possible for free and make money at the same time from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is Anchor. Anchor is the one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you up with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. Gaining some revenue from those podcast sponsors is essential to making necessary upgrades to the podcast and your overall brand. I appreciate how user-friendly Anchor is and how we can record our episodes via our computers or over the phone, similar to a voice memo or a phone call, and we can record these episodes, edit them down as needed, upload them, and boom, the episode is ready to launch. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and even make money doing it, go to anchor.fm forward slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. One more time, that's anchor. Dot fm slash start i can't wait to hear your podcast let's get six more running backs in for this episode and again one more time the next episode will be running backs 12 to 1 and i'll be counting down all the way to my top running backs but right now we've got Devonte freeman let me get a sip there i'm getting a little parched number 18 running back for me Devonta freeman he missed 14 games last year. Injuries are the concern. I'm going to run all this out right now, but the ECR has him at 17, so I'm pretty close there. But ADP has him at 14, way too high for me personally. First pick in the third round, ADP, absolutely not. Not going to happen for me unless I see him completely healthy in the offseason, play some preseason games, get a legitimate workload. He needs 20 carries for me over the entire preseason, which he probably won't play much, but 20 carries for me over the entire preseason would be excellent for me to see him get the burst, see him catch the ball, see him hit the inside, the outside, juke, make some moves. I really need to see that from Devonta Freeman before I move him any higher than 18. Right now, I've got him 18, ECR 17, ADP 14. I actually moved Devonta Freeman up from RB21, where I had had him when I did my overvalued running backs in episode 87. You can tune back to episode 87, where I did overvalued and undervalued running backs and quarterbacks. You can check that out. I did a piece on Devonta Freeman already, which is a lot of the same stats I'll mention right now. So apologize if you've heard that already. Uh, you can fast forward in the episode. Um, but I think it's really important to go over his injury history because I'm not worried about him as an athlete. I'm not worried about the offense. I'm not worried about the schemes. None of that. I, I'm, I'm worried about him and his injury history. And Ido Smith is, you know, not amazing, but definitely not a terrible running back to spell him there. So let's get into Devonta Freeman. Injuries are my main concern, as I mentioned, when it comes to Freeman. I mentioned this in episode 87, but I'll say it again. Week one of last season, he had a right knee contusion. Okay, missed a couple games. Then in week five, he had a bone bruise, all right, which made him lose that game, or he left that game. In his foot before a sports hernia sent him to the IR for the rest of the season. Okay, so he plays week one, he plays week five, 
He gets hurt in both of those games, and then he misses the entire rest of the season uh, due to a sports hernia. In 2017, two years ago, he sprained his MCL and his PCL, which um, made him lose the entire season there in, in 2017. He also suffered three total con- concussions in his career so far, so he's maybe a concussion or two away from the NFL just not allowing him to play. Freeman is only 27 still, but new offensive coordinator Dirk Cutter is generally not a run-focused play caller. We saw that in Tampa Bay. Not to mention Edo Smith is waiting in the wings and showed a bit of promise last year when Freeman was out and Tevin Coleman also missed time. So Freeman was my was the overall number one running back in 2015, beating out in his prime Adrian Peterson. So the talent is obviously there. But two years of injuries, plus you throw in, you know, uh, kind of a, a passing first-minded offensive coordinator in Dirk Cutter, that definitely gives me pause heading into 2019. However, true to head coach Dan Quinn's word, he's been, quote, full go, end quote, during OTAs, which is a great sign. There was talk way early on that he would miss OTAs and maybe ready for offseason. Uh, offseason training camp is OTAs, but really like the preseason when they start playing games. He has been a full go during OTAs. He looks good. I've been following his Instagram. He looks fine. He's been doing drills. Like, that's a great sign. He's my RB18 as of now, but he could shoot up my rankings come August if he's fully on track and he avoids any setbacks. That being said, as I mentioned at the beginning of his segment, it could potentially be, (laughs) it could potentially be, you know, maybe outside of my top 20. If he does have any setbacks, I'm really, really worried about the injuries with Devonta Freeman, and um, I'm just hesitant right now. I, I can't put him any higher than 18 as of right now. Let's move on. Number 17, Aaron Jones. He also missed four games last year. He finished 21 overall. He would have been approximately RB10 in PPR over 16 games, but of course he only played 12. Right now he is ECR 16. So I'm one behind him there, and he's uh, ADP running back 18, 10th pick in the uh, third round. So I'm right in between ADP and ECR at 17 there. I'd have Jones higher if I knew what new head coach Matt LaFleur was going to do to utilize him. Last year in Tennessee, LaFleur split carries with Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis for the first 12 games, and then we saw what Derrick Henry did once they gave him the lion's share in the final month. So let's hope that LaFleur learned his lesson from that, and he features Jones, who rushed for 5.5 yards per carry in both of his first two seasons and was ninth in yards per touch last year and was second in breakaway run rate, so 15-plus yard runs in 2017. Aaron Jones was actually second in the league. Jamal Lewis is still in Green Bay, though, and in my opinion, you know, not close to as talented as Jones, but he is a factor. Um, still a decent running back for Green Bay, and they used Jamal Williams to spell Jones last year, which seemed unnecessary, but that was under then-head coach Mike McCarthy, who is now gone. So hopefully Matt Matt LaFleur feels the same way that I think the fantasy community does, that Aaron Jones is the dude, and Jamal Williams isn't terrible, but he's not as good as Aaron Jones in my opinion. So hopefully they feature Aaron Jones more so than last year. Jones was running back 17 in fantasy points per game, and that should be higher as he got hurt in weeks 16 and 15, leaving both games early. 
if we think of him as a high RB2 or a low RB1, I think, with huge upside in this offense, I feel really good about him being RB17, and I may even sneak him into my top 15, 12 range as the offseason shakes out and we see what LaFleur actually does with him. Let's just hope that LaFleur doesn't pull a McCarthy and, and plays Jones to his full potential. I think that happens. I think Jones really breaks out this year. We've kind of been waiting for it for two years. I think that happens this year, and I think Jones um, exceeds RB17, and I, I could see myself moving him into the top 15 as, when August comes around and I redo these rankings. Next up, number 16, Carry on Johnson. He missed six games last year. He finished 33 overall. He would have been roughly RB12 over 16 games in PPR. He's ECR 16, or I'm sorry, ECR 19 right now. I have him three above that. He's ADP 19, so I'm spot on there. First pick in the fourth round. Carryon Johnson missed the final six games with a knee sprain in 2018, but he did avoid structural damage, which is huge. So he had a sprain, but he didn't tear anything, which is I mean, massive for running backs, obviously. So he does have a knee sprain. You know, he's healing, but he seems to be totally fine in a full go for uh, for OTAs and everything. He looks great, didn't uh, tear anything, so that's a good sign for uh, Carry On Johnson. He's fully recovered and cleared to hit OTAs, which I just mentioned is a tremendous start to his season. We see guys get hurt. They come back. Sometimes they sit out just to be careful. Then they come into preseason. They haven't done the offseason work. So they come in a little bit rusty while everyone else is at full speed. They re-injure themselves. They get a setback, <clears throat> and it can linger for the next season, which I think happened to Delvin Cook last year, which I'll get into in a little bit. But Carryon Johnson, I think, is on great pace right now and healthy going into OTAs, which is a great sign for him and the Lions. Carryon finished 18th in fantasy points per game with Blunt and Riddick also in the backfield last year for Detroit. Blunt is now gone, but the Lions did sign C.J. Anderson, my boy, who carried the Rams, in my opinion, through the NFC playoffs once Gurley went down. So obviously he's no slough. He ran for 1,000 yards behind a bad Denver offensive line a couple years ago. He basically became Todd Gurley behind that Rams offense last year down the stretch. Posted similar Gurley numbers and absolutely beasted out to the end of the season and uh, during the playoffs there. So C.J. Anderson is definitely a competent backup and, and uh, could spell uh, carry on Johnson more than we want. Carryon Johnson posted a 5.4 yards per carry uh, before going down, so much like Aaron Jones, very efficient. I know that yards per carry is kind of a bullshit stat. Nonetheless, a 5.4 yards per carry is much more efficient than a 3.3 that Leonard Fournette had last year. I've actually got Leonard Fournette inside my top 12. I'll get to him next episode overall, but um, you know, 5 yards per carry average uh, is much more effective than 3 yards per carry average, so I like that. New offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel stressed that the Lions will, quote, always be running the football, end quote. You love to hear that for on Johnson. The Lions won't be winning many games <laughs> with that approach in today's NFL, but that's great news for on Johnson and CJA fantasy-wise. on made it public that he doesn't want to be a 20-touch back which may be a red flag to fantasy owners, but he didn't really do that anyway in 2018. The most touches he had in a game was 21, okay? Week 7 against Miami, he had 21 total touches. 19 carries, two receptions, okay? Johnson exploded in that game for 21 touches, 179 yards in that game alone. The only game he had uh, 
uh, over 20 touches there. I'm having a hard time, honestly, not ranking carry on higher. I know that uh, Willie, last episode of MMB Fantasy Football, who was on to discuss our top 24, he loves carry on. He's got him at number 14, so he's actually got him higher than I do. Um, I know there's a lot of hype, uh, post-sleeper hype, I think, for a carry on right now, so I think he's kind of a bargain at number 16, 19, wherever you're going to find him there in the fourth round. I think carry on's a steal, frankly. Um I'm, I'm having a hard time not ranking him higher overall on talent alone. And if he's healthy, I will be uh, ranking him higher as we get to August. However, with Matt Patricia saying that carry-on will be limited and carry-on himself echoing those claims, plus the quality change of pace back in C.J. Anderson, also as a pass-catching specialist, um, Theo Riddick uh, still around. I have to kind of pump the brakes a little bit, but carry-on Johnson's my RB16 right now. But I could, you know, certainly get him potentially into my top 12 if they turn him loose. And I could certainly see him finishing top 10 if he plays a full season and they let him go. Let's move on to maybe my most controversial pick of my entire top 24. It's Todd Gurley at 15. Um, This is strictly due to the uncertainty of what's going on. I want to start this segment with I'm well aware that he's not dead. (laughs) I'm well aware that they are going to still give him a quality workload. I am well aware that he didn't break his leg. He didn't tear anything. He's got arthritis. The basically the word is that arthritis, if he can deal with the pain and the discomfort, he can, you know, play to his full capacity ish, maybe 80%. Okay. But it's just going to get worse. So even if Todd Gurley posts top five, top ten running back numbers this this year and he can gut it out, it's going to get worse as we go along. In a keeper league, I'm staying away from Todd Gurley as a keeper option. Now, if you're just going to you know uh, play him or, or pick him and, and maybe keep somebody else, then so be it. I would not pick Todd Gurley in a keeper league, though, or a dynasty league with the idea that you're going to keep him for the next two to three years because, honestly, unfortunately, if things don't get better in a hurry for Todd Gurley, he could straight up be out of the league. I know as crazy as it sounds, but he could be out of the league in the next two to three years altogether. I've got him at 15. He finished second overall, first in points per game. He's 10th in ECR, 10th in ADP, fourth pick in the second round. I understand all that. I love Todd Gurley too. I'm not trying to hate Todd Gurley. This is strictly my concern of his health. If Todd Gurley's healthy, he'll move up to the top five probably around Melvin Gordon and Joe Mixon. Most likely, but I doubt that that's going to happen. Therefore, if I got him RB15 right now with the idea that he splits work with Malcolm Brown and or rookie Darrell Henderson from Memphis, who has been compared to Alvin Kamara, which is nice, then, you know, that's a steal for me if I'm able to get him in the third round, which I've seen happen. Now, the longer the season goes on and the more that he is, you know, coach speak sounds good, Gurley's on pace, all this other shit the worry is going to dissipate and he's going to creep back up into the middle of the second round, early second round, probably late first round. You're not going to get a bargain anymore. But if you're drafting right now and Todd Gurley's in the third round, pick him. Even if, <laughs> even if he, he has a setback and misses some games or he's not himself, you're willing to take that risk in the third round of a draft right now, because if you get 80% Todd Gurley in the third round with your first and second round picks as well, you're probably going to win your league. Gurley is Gurley when he's on the field, but arthritic knees are no joke, and his workload has been top-notch since he entered the league. I'm fading Todd Gurley, but if you run his 2018 numbers, which were astronomical, projected over 16 games, 
from the 14 games that he played in 2018. And you cut those numbers in half, okay? Project Todd Gurley's 2018 to 16 games. You take those numbers and cut them in half. He'd still be approximately the RB14 from last year above Kenyon Drake overall. And 20th in fantasy points per game, still an RB2, all right? I'll give him a boost from a low-end RB2 at, say, number 20 to a high-end RB2 because I think he sees way more than 50% if he's healthy enough to play. I won't be drafting him in the first two rounds, as I just mentioned, but I wouldn't hesitate in the third round even at 50%. But let's be honest. He won't make it out of the second round in your home leagues. He's probably not going to make it out of the first round on name alone. So, again, if you're drafting right now, steal Todd Gurley in the third round if you can. If not, I wouldn't be picking him in the first round, certainly, and probably not the second round, in my opinion, unless you're the back of the second round and you're willing to take that risk. And you got to handcuff him with Malcolm Brown and or Darrell uh, Henderson, depending on the size of your league. He's my number 15 running back right now, which is lower than a uh, ECR and ADP significantly, but nobody would be surprised if he finished top 10 or even top 5 on touchdown upside alone. This will obviously be monitored um, as the season progresses, and we will reevaluate in lead to August um, as potentially a second-round pick uh, of player rankings before draft season. But right now, I've got him at RB15. I'll probably shoot him up into the top 12, top 10 if things are looking good. But right now, before you at me and, and go nuts on my ranking, I hope you listen to this instead of just seeing my post about him being number 14 <laughs> or 15. I'm well aware of who Todd Gurley is and who he could be. Right now, I'm concerned about it more than anybody else with the injuries and everything coming out. It's June, so I'm pumping the brakes just a bit. Next up, maybe another controversial pick, depending on your uh, feelings, is number 14 running back, Damian Williams. Damian Williams missed three games. Last year, he was number 52 overall because he basically only played the last three games of the season, but he was number two over that time frame. He was RB2 over weeks 15, 16, and 17 when he took over for uh, Kareem Hunt in a full-time thing. So be careful when you're looking at last year's stats and you see a, a runner like Damian Williams who finished 52nd overall running back. That's kind of bullshit because, you know, he didn't even get a workload behind Kareem Hunt the entire season until Kareem Hunt got expelled off the team and Damian Williams took over for the end of the season and uh, the playoffs as well. So be really careful. I would more follow, if you're going to look at a, a blanket stat, I would more so look at where he ranks in fantasy points per game played, even if it's two games, even if it's, you know, four games compared to people who played 12 to 14. It still gives you a, a general idea of his output when he played versus his numbers over, say, three games versus someone that paid 12. Obviously, those numbers are going to be skewed with somebody who, in a shitty, you know, offensive uh, uh, a standard back, you know, is, is going to accrue more points than him if he's not playing over a season. So that's just not fair. So be careful there. Damian Williams is my RB14. Uh, he's ECR14. ADP number 12 and kind of the middle of the second round. It's a little bit high for me. Um, I know that a lot of people are starting to hit me up on IG and, and, uh, you know, say that I'm too low on Damian Williams. And honestly, maybe I am, maybe I'll, I'll boost it up if, if, uh, he is definitely the number one back. Let's not forget they have Carlos Hyde. Um, but if he's definitely the dude, he's getting the pass catching. If he just becomes, you know, Jamal Charles, Spencer Ware, Kareem Hunt, and you just fill him in, in that offense and he becomes the Andy Reid dude, then yeah, I love Damian Williams too. <clears throat> but right now 
I'm just kind of tempering my expectations. As I mentioned, Williams didn't really get a full workload until week 13 when Kareem Hunt was expelled off the team by the Chiefs. And he didn't see more than 13 carries at all over the final five games of the regular season. So when Damon Williams came in, okay, excuse me, Damon Williams came in, he didn't see more than 13 carries at all over the final five games of the regular season. He went over 100 total yards just twice during that time, but he did score six total touchdowns in the KC potent offense. So maybe he's not getting the yards and the touches, but he still scores because Mahomes and company are ridiculous. He went 30 touches for 154 yards and one touchdown versus the Colts, though, in the divisional round. Okay, So he was I over the final five games of the regular season, but in the postseason, Damian Williams really cut his teeth. He went 30 touches, 154, and a touchdown total versus the Colts in the divisional round. The next week, he went 15 for 99 and three total touchdowns versus New England in the conference championship. So solid performances, no doubt, but I don't expect that type of usage over 16 games. The Chiefs also brought in Carlos Hyde, as I mentioned, who will be 29 when the season starts and still a quality back. Damian Williams has never surpassed 14 or excuse me, never surpassed 500 total yards in a season over his five-year career, which obviously if he plays, you know, 14 games for the Chiefs, I mean, he's going to blow that out of the water. But nonetheless, so far he hasn't. The Andy Reid running back is sexy for fantasy football, has been for a decade. I love that. But I'm worried that there might be two Andy Reid running backs this year in Kansas City, both Damian Williams and Carlos Hyde. Kareem Hunt only saw 20-plus touches in four of 11 games with the Chiefs last year. So Kareem Hunt saw only 20-plus touches, not carries, total touches in four of 11 games last year. That's Kareem Hunt, okay? Now, he was uber-efficient with those touches, and he was the RB6 at the time of his departure in Week 11, but Damian Williams, I don't think, is Kareem Hunt athletically. Damian Williams was RB5 over the last five games, but Hunt averaged nearly two fantasy points more per game. There's no way I'm drafting Damian Williams in the second round at his ADP right now. Third round, maybe. Fourth round, sure. He's my RB14 on, quote, KC running back hype, end quote, alone. I mean, if if he is the Kansas City running back, I like it a lot more. But I don't feel good about it right now. I think Carlos Hyde is going to kind of get a rebirth. He kind of died last year in uh, Jacksonville when the, when the uh, Browns got rid of him to make room for Nick Chubb. So I think Carlos Hyde is going to have a rebirth and a great offense. He can also catch the ball. I kind of think Damian Williams and uh, Carlos Hyde are similar backs. Of course, Damian Williams is significantly younger, much more burst. um, And I think is just, you know, maybe a better running back, but Damian Williams went to Oklahoma before he was kicked out and Carlos Hyde went to uh, Ohio State. So both, you know, top echelon running backs in collegiate football and definitely the right pedigree coming out. And I just kind of think they're similar running backs-ish. So I'm pumping the brakes a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm right on with ECR and I'm a little bit behind the ADP, but I'm just, it, it's, it's it, the second round ADP. I just am not going to, not going to have. Last up for this episode is number 13, Dalvin Cook, my 13th running back and final for this episode again before I tune off here. Next episode is going to be running backs 12 through 1, so make sure you come back for those. Number 13, Dalvin Cook, who missed five games last year. He finished 31 overall, which again is bullshit because he missed so much time. He finished 31 overall. 
which over the weeks 14 through 17, when he really became the, the top-notch running back, and I think he was the most healthy all season, 14 through 17, he was RB7 during that time and 7th overall, or excuse me, 7 overall and uh, 11th in fantasy points per game. In uh, weeks 14 through 17 right now, he's, our, uh, let's see, ECR 11. He's my running back 13, so I've got him behind ECR a little bit. ADP also has him at running back 11. He's the second pick in the fifth round. Dalvin Cook is one of the players I'm rooting for the most in the NFL this year. He's coming off just 15 games played in his first two seasons and multiple injuries affecting both knees. So it's hard to be confident, but damn it, I'm holding faith. (laughs) He is too talented to ignore for at least one more season. If he gets hurt again, I'm going to write him off completely because he's just not fit to to do it, unfortunately, with his injury history. But I'm going to try one more time. I was hyped on him coming out of Florida State. And I'm sticking with him. He'll be healthy coming into 2019, which I don't think he was quite healthy in 2018. And the Vikings seem to be leaning more toward a run-first approach with new offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski's offensive scheme. In uh, Kevin Stefanski took over in Week 14 for then OC uh, DiFilippo. I have a chart breakdown right here of the the run-pass breaks of. Dalvin Cook and um, Kirk Cousins between DiFilippo weeks 1 through 13 and Stefanski in 14 through 17. Under DiFilippo weeks 13 through or 1 through 13, Dalvin Cook was running back 48 overall and 33 in fantasy points per game. Now, yes, he did miss some time during that, but he was week he was 33 overall in fantasy points per game average. Not good. Cousins during that time was QB 12 overall and 14 in fantasy points per game. They get rid of DiFilippo. They bring in Stefanski. Stefanski from weeks 14 through 17 changed that dynamic quite a bit. All of a sudden, Dalvin Cook is running back 7 overall and thir- uh, let's see, 11 in fantasy points per game. So 7 overall, 11 in fantasy points per game from weeks 14 through 17. Kirk Cousins at the time dropped back quite a bit. He was QB 16 overall and 19 in fantasy points per game. So they definitely focused more on the run game once Stefanski came in. They're also bringing in former uh, NFL head coach Gary Kubiak as an offensive advisor role. And do we remember Arian Foster's numbers back in the day with the Texans? That was with Kubiak's zone run scheme. So I like that a lot for Dalvin Cook if he's healthy. Cook's end of season numbers under Stefanski in weeks 14 through 17 projected over 16 games. He would have been RB 16 in PPR overall. And he would have had 289.6 PPR fantasy points, which would have ranked him between Zeke Elliott and James Conner. If he were healthy over 16 games last year and he posted the same numbers that he did down the stretch under Stefanski, he would have been RB6 overall between Zeke Elliott and James Conner. Love that. But more accurately, he would have been RB9 in PPR fantasy points per game between Kareem Hunt and Joe Mixon. So that's his average output per game between Kareem Hunt and Joe Mixon of fantasy games played. So either way, absolute stud RB1 for sure. Now, let's assume he stays healthy. The Vikings O-line isn't as bad as it was last year, ranking 23rd overall. And if Minnesota actually does favor the run, I think Dalvin Cook absolutely breaks out and he, he finishes top 10 probably. For those uncertainties, though, I have Dalvin Cook floating on the RB1, RB2 line at RB3, uh, 13 right now. 
Um, but if he even plays 12 games at, at full rate, I think he'll be an RB1, honestly. I really think he, he can finish like that with the talent and the scheme of the offense under Stefanski, and I think that does happen this year. I'm a bit lower than the consensus right now, but it's basically just because I'm nervous. But knowing that he rushed for 615 yards and added 40 receptions for 49 targets for 305 receiving yards in just 11 games last year, that definitely gives me hope. So come on, Dalvin. We're all pulling for you, buddy. <laughs> I think he'll do well, and I think the Vikings will, will turn it around. They had kind of a down season last year. I think that I think that changes. So those are my, let's see, RBs 24 through 13. One more time, 24 to 13 going backwards. Kenyon Drake, 24, David Montgomery, 23, Josh Jacobs, 22, Philip Lindsay, 21, Sonny Michelle, 20, Derek Henry, number 19, Devonta Freeman, number 18, Aaron Jones, 17, Carrion Johnson, 16, Todd Gurley, 15, Damian Williams, 14, Dalvin Cook, 13, and we will do the top 12 next episode. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode, I will be doing my part two series of the top 24 rankings. We'll do 12 to 1. Make sure you dial back and check in with that. Be sure to email us your fantasy questions heading into 2019 to tckpod at gmail.com or shoot us a DM on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod. You can also find us on Twitter at tck underscore pod and Facebook at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. If you've gotten any value at all from this podcast, please leave a rate and review right here on the podcast and give us a like and a follow on the socials. It really does mean the world to us. Make the most of the rest of your day and we'll catch you next time on the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Sky Guasco and I am out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.